ask you a question. How much heart do you have? You know, like, do you have more heart to give to God? Can you give God more of your heart? Um, how much mind do you have? How much soul do you have? And I'm not talking about soul like you're singing price tag. I'm talking about <laughs> soul. Like, can you give God more of your soul today? What about strength? How much strength do you have? Can you give God more of your strength? A couple of weeks ago, Pastor Ben Cathy talked about excellence, one of our values, and he talked uh, through the great commandment that I will love the Lord, my God, with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength. Do you feel like you can give God more of your heart today? Do you have more to give? Oh, you, that's it. You always feel like you can give God more of your heart, right? Let me ask this. How much faith do you have? Can you give God more faith? Do you have more faith to give God? How much do you have? How much trust do you have? Do you feel like you can trust God more? Do you feel like you can put your trust in Jesus more? It's a little hard to quantify those things, but you always feel like you have more to give, right? How much money do you have? See, it's so different than heart, mind, soul, strength, faith, trust, isn't it? Because like you're like, yeah, I always think I feel, feel like I have this unlimited supply of trust, of faith, of heart that I can give Jesus. But we know we are so exact about how much money we have that you can go on your app right now to online banking and it will, it will do decimals. Like You're like, I got such and such and 38 cents. That's how much I got. <laughs> you, we know how much and that perhaps is why it's so hard to part with. It's because we've got a bank account. How many of you have a heart or faith or trust account? We actually have an account that keeps up with how much money we have. It feels so different than giving God more, more, more trust, more of our heart, because it is tangible, it is a countable resource, and not only that, it is a limited resource. You feel like you have an unlimited supply of trust and faith and heart and strength that you could give to God, but you know exactly how much money you have to give. And maybe that's one reason why we get a little tense when preachers start talking about money, because it is limited, it is a commodity, it is a, it is a tangible and countable supply and resource. But that's not the only reason. Sometimes we get a little squeamish and squirmy in our seats uh, because we've heard some pretty bad talking about money from pastors before in our lives. Maybe you've had a pastor that's tried to guilt you into giving more. Maybe you've had a pastor that's made you feel bad. Or maybe you've seen money mishandled in churches. Or you've seen shady deals or you have seen televangelists on money begging for, begging for offerings. You have heard about pastors who have jets. If it makes you feel any better, I drive a truck. Okay? So I get it. So I get it. Today is for Christians. These are values for our churches. If you're watching today, if you came today, someone invited you to church, and you're not a Christ follower, thank you so much for coming. 
And you're going to have a temptation to leave today and say, man, that's why I don't go to churches because that's all they ever talk about is money. And that's not true. We're going to talk about something totally different next week. And if you came with a friend or you're watching with your friend, your friend is going, oh, no, I finally got them to come to church with me, and they're talking about money. But I'm going to tell you today why this is, it ain't about the money, money, money. That it's about something deeper and something bigger, and it's something that all Christians must take seriously because this is super important to who we are as followers of Jesus. So if you're not a believer, that's what I hope you will hear today is like, why is this so important to us? Because today's not about money, it's about generosity. It's about generosity. And if we are going to be faithful followers of Jesus, we're going to need to practice generosity. And we're, we're called to be generous uh, in our service to Christ, his church, to others. You, listen, this is important because you're going to need to be generous with your patience around the Thanksgiving table with family and friends in an election year this week. Am I right? I mean, we, we have to be generous with a lot of things. But I think that it starts with learning to be generous with this countable resource that we have. In fact, I believe that if we will be generous with the one resource that we can count, then we will learn to be generous with all the other resources like our heart and our faith and our trust that is much harder to count. We want to be people, when we say generosity, that give well. We want to give well. Let me kind of read what we say about generosity. We serve a generous father. We want to exhibit his generosity in how we handle our resources for Birmingham and for the world. We believe our resources, talent, and time are entrusted to us to give back to God's purpose. And we can't be a generous church unless we are generous people. We want to be known as a generous church in our community, but that starts with you and me if we're going to be generous. And generosity starts with trust, it starts with faith, and it starts with simply believing the Word of God. We're going to look today at a scripture passage uh, from the Apostle Paul, but before we even get to that one, it's found in 2 Corinthians 9. If you've got Bibles, you want to turn to it, you want to get ready for it. If, you don't, if, you got, if you're at home and you've got your Bible there, your Bible app, if you would like a, a hard copy and you're here, please take one when you leave. But before we dig into that passage, I, I want to just kind of start things off with with a, an instance where the Apostle Paul quotes Jesus about generosity. And it challenges us because we have to ask ourselves, what do we believe about this? This is what Paul said, quoting Jesus. Remembering the words of the Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Do we believe that? I mean, do we really believe that? That it is better to give than to receive? That tithe day is better than payday? That giving to someone is better than getting to someone? That letting go of what we have is better than holding on to what we have? Can I ask you this question? If we believe it, shouldn't we just do it? So here's kind of the million-dollar question that we're going to almost keep coming back to that, we're, that I just want you to just let kind of rattle around in your heart and in your head today. Do I trust God? 
Remember before you said, oh yeah, I can always trust God more. Do I really trust God? Do I trust his word? Do I trust what he says? Do I trust that I'll be blessed? Do I trust that I'll be blessed in giving? Do I trust that it will be better than receiving? Do I believe what Jesus said? Do I believe what, do I, do I believe what his word says? Or do I just like what Jesus said about saving my soul and forgiving my sins, but not like what he said about my money? Or do I just want Jesus to prepare a mansion for me in heaven as long as he doesn't mess with my mansion here on earth? Do I trust God? I mean, do I really trust God? If you can trust him with your eternity, Christian, listen to me, if you can trust him with your eternity, can't we trust him with our money? Now, that was a little heavy-handed. Let me tell you something I believe about you. You want to be generous. You want to be generous. I believe that about every single one of you watching, every single one of you here. You want to be generous. You want to be able to give a lot. You want to be able to share a lot. You want to be that person that is able to lend a helping hand to someone that needs it in a time of need. And you have probably said something like this. If I had more money, I'd be really generous. If I had as much money as him or her, I'd be generous. When I make more money, when I finally get that raise, I'm going to be generous. Here's the, here's the problem with that. The problem with that kind of thinking is that, is that when we say things like that, when we believe things like that, that we believe in our minds then that generosity is only for people who have or make more money than us. That someone like me, someone who makes the kind of money that I make, someone who has my resources could never be generous. We actually play this thing in our mind that there's literally no one on planet Earth that makes what I make and has what I have as a family and is generous. It must be for people who make more than me. And the problem is you can always play that math forward in your head. You know why? There will always be someone that makes more than you and has more than you. So here's kind of a secret about people who are generous that have nothing, because I know you want to be generous. And so if you're like, yes, man, Carter, that's right. I want to be generous. So here's the question. Have you decided to be generous? Generosity is a choice. And it's a choice that we make on the front end so that we can be generous on the back end. It's a decision you make before the end of the month and you're out of money. And it's a decision you make that is just in your budget, in your DNA. And it's so important because Paul says, we're going to see, Paul says that if we don't make this decision to be generous, we might miss out on seeing and experiencing the fullness of God's generosity. And I want you to be generous because I want you to see it and experience it in your life. So 1 Corinthians, I mean, excuse me, 2 Corinthians 9 Verses 6 through 8. It's just three verses. Listen to how Paul starts it out. He says, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. 
So what Paul is saying is that generosity is something that happens on the front end, and it is, it is a seed sown in faith. It is sown, it is sown when the ground is hard and the skies are cold. It is sown, it is, it is sown when we, we can't see the fruit. You, you don't sow generosity during the harvest. You sow it before the harvest. And the only way that you can do it, so what Paul is really preparing us for us before here, is he's helping us understand that generosity is something that is a decision that is made long before the harvest. It's a decision that you make long before you make more money or have more money or even cash your paycheck. It is something that you do on the front end. You sow a seed of generosity. And then, I mean, listen to this Listen to this sentence. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. Not what the pastor says you should give, or not what your friends give, or not what your neighbor who makes twice as much money as you gives. Each of you should make a decision, should decide in your heart to give. Not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Give what you have. What does it say? Decided. Decided. Like it's a decision. And you give out of your heart. We give, we give out of what we feel like the Lord has given. But we make the decision beforehand. It, it's a decision. And you don't give reluctantly, or some translations, maybe your translation says begrudgingly. That doesn't feel good, does it? That doesn't feel good. We're like, "Ah, I guess so. Or under compulsion. Don't give under compulsion. There's a lot of different translations of that that word. Uh, Maybe you're looking at a different translation, uh, and it says uh, one of the ways that Greek word can be translated is out of necessity, out of necessity, or this is probably the big one. There's a couple translations that translate this this way, in response to pressure. Have you ever been in a church that you felt you had to give in response to pressure? That doesn't feel good. In fact, the root word for this word, the, the the Greek word, the root word of it is the same word for the curve of an arm. Basically, when you hold something tight, no one wants to give because the preacher feels like it feels like the preacher's got him in a headlock, right? Or you've got a grasp, or you're getting strong-armed into giving. That doesn't feel good. That's under compulsion. That's under pressure. And Paul says, that's not really generosity. You're doing it for the wrong motives. You're doing it for the wrong reasons. And that's why, for us, th- this is so important to me. We want to be extremely open and transparent about our finances and our budget here at Mountaintop. Every month, at the beginning of every month, we send kind of a monthly update uh, email to our givers. Uh, Once a quarter, we send out a letter, a statement to our givers that that says, here's what we're spending, here's what we're getting, here's some of the celebrations. We give a once a quarter kind of giving update in here. We wanna be transparent about our money uh, because listen, we have big dreams and big dreams take big resources. And you have to have a budget to support a ministry of the church. That's just real. But I want to tell you something. If I teach you to give to God, 
to support a budget for a church and not out of supporting, uh, it's not out of generosity, not out of deciding in your heart what you should give. I'm not doing it right. If I teach you to give out of compulsion to support a line item in a budget and not out of generosity in giving to the Lord your God in a decision you make, then I have failed as a Bible teacher. And I take that really seriously. Because here's what I want to tell you. Look, this is God's honest, the, the God to honest truth. If you and I decide to not give another dime to Mountaintop, the church of Jesus Christ will not fail. Now, our church will eventually close. We'll run out of money. We have like a mortgage to pay, and the bank will probably say like, hey, guys, you got to pay that. We have staff to pay, and they'd probably, you know, after a couple months would say, I kind of need a paycheck. I'm going to go place where I can find one. Like we would, the church, the, the, the local church, but God's spirit would just move somewhere else because Jesus said that the gates of hell would not overcome his church. So I'm not going to teach you to give unto a church budget out of compulsion or out of feeling like you're pressured to. I want to teach you to be generous because there is no blessing in begrudging or compulsive giving, but there is blessing in generosity. And I want you to be blessed. I want you to be blessed. God loves a cheerful giver. And I want you to experience that. And that means it comes back to what Paul said. We're going to have to make a decision. Have you decided to be generous? That's what I want to teach you about God's word. Have you made the decision, a conscious decision, to be generous? And let me explain how that might look in your life. I believe, I believe so strongly in making the decision to tithe to the local church. I believe that. And I believe that Mountaintop is a worthy place for you to practice this decision. And, and we'll, we'll, we'll handle that money with care and ministry. Now, some of you have heard that word, and you don't even know what it means. Like, here's what it means. It means to give 10% of your income to the local church. That's what tithing means. So let me say what that looks like. That means this is 10 $1 bills. That means for every 10 of these you make, you give one to God, to the church. You make 100, you give you are quick. You make a thousand, you give. You make ten thousand, you give a thousand. You make a hundred thousand, you give ten thousand. The problem, and here's why this this is this is why tithing sets up a decision to say I'm going to sow on the front end. Because what often happens is if you don't do it on the front end, y'all know what happens, right? You got the mortgage. How much is that going to take? Two or three. You get a car payment, you get some entertainment, braces, <laughs> food, hobbies, and then you're like, I meant to give, where'd it go? Because here's what this is going to mean. If you decide on the front end to give that one to God, and I only got nine, that this is going to mean I'm going to have to make some different decisions in my life than to live on this. And this is, this is the thing that people who have never tithed and think, how in the world can I do that? And here's the secret. It's not that people make more. People that do this have made decisions about this. 
Let me give you an example in my own life. Emily and I have tithed since we got married 20 years ago. My first job, I pastored two little churches. We lived in a parsonage. She moved from out of state to where we, we didn't live in the same state until the day we got married, uh, to the day we came home from our honeymoon. And I made $19,000 a year, and she didn't have a job. And we tied. We had to make some decisions. All right, so. I like golf. I'm not very good at it, but I like it. I mean, there's nothing quite like, there's nothing quite like going out there on a beautiful day in God's creation. Anybody else? I mean, it's just green. Maybe hanging out with some friends for three or four hours and, I mean, swinging the club. And I'm awful at it. But I'm going to hit one or two shots out of 100, and it's going to take me 100 shots. I'm going to hit one or two shots out of 100 where I feel like Jack Nicklaus, Tiger Woods, or Dustin Johnson. And I'll be like, you know, if I hit them all like that, then I'll be pretty good. I really like it. But I almost never play. Once, twice a year maybe. Because though I like golf, I love football. And it takes a lot of money for all the tickets we have to buy for football. There are weeks we go to a ninth grade game, a JV game, a varsity game, and a college game all in the same week. And I can't get enough of it. And I watch Monday Night Football. And then so all the tickets and all the food and all the gear and all the stuff, I love it. And there's no way I would choose golf over football, even though I like golf a lot. There's only so much room left in the hobby money. And football gets it. And we've been doing that for 20 years, even when I made $19,000 a year. And people would say, I don't understand how you afford tickets. And my answer was always the same, because I want to. And in my mind, I'm thinking, well, you got two four-wheelers, a jet ski, and a boat. So how you do that? Because you want to. But I want to ask you, have you decided, have you made the decision that at the front of the month that I want to give to God? Here's a million-dollar question we should all ask ourselves. Does how you live determine how you give, or does how you give determine how you live? Does how you live determine how you give, or does how you give determine how you live? One will set the tone for the other. And remember what I said, that you want to be generous. I believe that so much. When there comes an opportunity for a Christmas offering or to help someone in need or support a worthy cause or uh, to, to help renovate a children's wing or in, in ministry or anything like that, I think you want to be able to give. But you can't do that if you haven't made the decision on the front end to be generous, to sow generosity now so that you can be generous later by how you live. If I want to give God's first, God his first, then I have to live in a way that I can do that. And you got to create habits. And I want to just tell you something. I don't care how much money you make. If you think it's all about making more or having more, if you don't create habits right now to be generous, that when you make more or have more, you'll just do more stuff and buy more things. Because you never made that happen. I tell my, my boys got little jobs right now, and I tell them all the time, and we, we practice tithing in our house, and they say, you know, why do I got to do this? 
Because if, if we never learn how to give 10 out of 100, we'll never learn how to give 1,000 out of 10,000. Never learn how to do it. So listen how Paul closes it up. Because this is what it's all about. This is what it's all about. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Paul is saying that this is simply about believing in a God who is able at all times, in all ways, through all things, to give me everything that I need. I believe in a generous God. This is what Paul is saying, is that the people that are generous, the people that sow generosity, just have this simple belief that they can't outgive God. That they can't outgive God. In fact, Paul would probably say it this way. Generous people believe in a more generous God. Generous people have made a decision that their trust and their faith is, is so big that they are believing that this God is able to give them more. And if they're thinking in their math, in their head, it isn't making sense on how's this going to work, that they believe that God is able to provide all that they need. And that is easy to do with our heart, our faith, our trust, our soul. But it is a little more difficult when we're talking about our only tangible resource. But to say, God, I want to give it to you because I trust you, because I believe you are a generous God. Generosity is not about money. Generosity is a gut check for our faith. It is a gut check for our faith. Because it's, it is putting, I mean, it's where the rubber meets the road to say I trust God, I believe in God, I have faith in God. It's a gut check to say, Lord, I trust you with this countable, tangible resource. And I believe you're able to do more than I ask or imagine. I mean, this Christmas, we got an opportunity through our Christmas offering to live into this value. And you're probably making some plans for Christmas already, right? You bought some gifts? I mean, it's Jesus' birthday. Are you prepared to give him a gift on his birthday? Or are we just going to buy everybody else gifts on Jesus' birthday? Is that what Christmas is about? It's his birthday. What if we just said this Christmas, and it's going to be different for different people. It's going uh, to be different amounts for different people. For some of you, this might be a first step towards some new habits and some new decisions in the new year. For a better 21 for you, maybe this is the first time you say, Lord, I'm going to sow a seed of generosity, trusting your generosity for the future. What if we just said, Lord, we're going to trust you with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength with all the faith and trust that we can muster. And we're even gonna trust you with our money because you have been so generous to share with us your one and only son. And because I have a seed in heaven, That sure seems like the least I can do. 
to say, thank you, God, for what you have given me that is far more than I could ever deserve. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, the world has a lot to say about money, and we've got our own kind of stuff going on in our hearts. It's a world, Lord, that tells us we've got to live up to a standard, and we've got to have more stuff and things so that maybe our neighbors think one thing about us, or our friends at school, or our Facebook friends. <laughs> and yet, Lord, I want to be known as a generous. I want to be known as generous. And I don't think any of us have arrived there yet. So Lord, help us to take steps. Every person in this room knows what their next step is to sow a generous seed. Lord, help us to believe your word that it's better to give than to receive. We trust you. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to stand and sing here a, a song that just um, says that I believe in the goodness of God. And that's really all this is about. Say, Lord, I believe in the goodness of God. Let's stand and sing.